0: I am Nathan. I use he they pronouns. Uh, This is my second year, and I am a theater education major with an English minor.
1: Welcome to Bear in Mind. I sat down with Nathan Wetzel, who has been playing Dungeons and Dragons with the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center's Queer D and D Affinity Group. What is the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center, and why is it important to UNC students?
0: Uh, The Gender and Sexuality Resource Center is a safe space for the queer community um, at UNC. Uh, And as I say that, that also answers why it's important is because it provides that space for people to gather if they want to, need to, um, if they need resources, especially when it comes to like hormone replacement therapy, or if they just want someone to guide them as a queer student in university, which can be a unnerving experience for some. An affinity group is a just kind of like specific group uh, for people with maybe just one specific identity that they want to like, just talk to people with the same identities or as with D&D, just talk to people who have the same interests. So the affinity group kind of narrows down the queer community as a whole into the little subcategories that exist for those people of those uh, labels, identities, or interests to come together and have an even more succinct and smaller group. So
1: how long have you been a part of Queer D&D?
0: This is my first year doing it. I started at the beginning in the fall and have continued on through the spring.
1: So why did you join it?
0: I found that D&D was really enjoyable last year and I just wanted to continue playing, and I was like, this exists, this will be so much fun. And especially with this community, I think it'd be, I also thought it'd be fun to play with new people. Do the campaigns switch up often? or? Oh is yeah, it just like- we always have new people coming in and out every year, so it's difficult to keep the campaign running in the next year unless you have some really talented DM who's able to just introduce characters at that same level.
1: Although I know there are many who enjoy D&D, I also know that not everybody knows the terms that Nathan and I are using. So to start, a campaign is a storyline or a set of adventures that the characters go on, and a DM is a dungeon master. Who is the person who is essentially running
0: the show? Me personally, I had a campaign run last year that my friend was dm'ing, so much fun, and then that ended with summer and then this year was a whole new campaigns.
1: So have you ever like dm'd?
0: Oh yeah. Campaign? I dm'd I <laughs> I attempted to dm a 12 person campaign which I quickly realized the way I dm'd it was wrong and so I stopped before everything just, you know, went downhill. But I also was DMing two smaller campaigns at the beginning of the fall, and then my schedule just filled up, so it's been really hard to keep up with those.
1: Seems like a 12-person DM campaign is <laughs> a bit chaotic. It,
0: it is, especially when they're all uh, neurodivergent, queer, and have different needs. It was a lot of one-on-ones that I didn't ask the right questions. I needed more growth from each character that I wasn't really given from the players. It was a lot of just realizing how much more I needed to be um, and to have and then how specific it needed to be. But I, I it was all so much. and I was just like, all right, taking a step back from that one.
1: Yeah. so it's like you had to like just downsize a little bit. And um then... not necessarily
0: even downsize. Ooh, like... I just completely stopped it and I was like, all mm-hmm. right. I'm willing to revisit it with the same amount but I need the time and space to actually like finalize everything and create the questions in the world that I actually could work with.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how has D and D been influential to to you specifically?
0: For me it's like I just originally thought it was a pastime that it could just, you know, be whatever you wanted it to be and it'd be a lot of fun. But then I quickly realized how much you can explore through it. It's been a lot of learning about myself through characters and then also through the world building I create with other people and then also learning a lot about my friends and what they want to be or what they might just experiment with.
1: Because of like, learning a lot about, like, your friends, about yourself through, like, characters and stuff like that, would you say that it is influential to the queer community?
0: Oh, definitely. One of my friends is starting not a D&D campaign, but a campaign uh, with a different system called Cyberpunk Red.
1: So I have never heard of Cyberpunk Red before talking to Nathan, but it has very similar mechanics to D&D and is based on a future between Cyberpunk 2020 and Cyberpunk 2077. So it sounds super cool, but I have never played it. Therefore, that is my very basic understanding of it from looking it up on Google.
0: And in it, um, I actually personally requested from them to explore a relationship with another, not player, but NPC. And through that, also explore the uh, ideas of polyamory and uh, just um, expanding on things that I don't know about, just so that I can see what I'm comfortable with in a place where there's no risk. To um, insulting a real person. Of course, there's risks to insulting the people around you, but you're playing with an NPC that at the end of the day is just a, pl- a character on paper, and the worst thing you can do is rip that paper up. There's also the fact that this group and community can have a place to just, you know, not have to worry about the restrictions that are applied to them from parents or from society. They can just be free with what they want to do.
1: Can you tell me about the character that you're playing now?
0: I haven't actually started playing it yet, but the character I created, their name is Bailey Blue Moon. Uh, Their performance name, because they are a punk rock performer, is the Succubus. They're kind of this, you know, sassy, uh, sneaky little person who um, just talks their way through everything. They have a really good um, charisma to be able to just talk themselves out of everything. Part of that was, and one of the nice things about Cyberpunk Red is it makes you create relationships as part of the character sheet. One of the things I just coincidentally got was a tragic love affair of someone who's been imprisoned. And so with that, I was like, hey, I want to explore the primary relationship with this person, of course, and still hold that like love for them while also being like, well... There's other things to just romantic love. Why don't I explore that with other people? And especially having those connections when you don't have full access to the the one primary. So it's just, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun creating this character, especially with the way Cyberpunk Red runs.
1: So besides the prison um, love story, yeah, do they have like... A bit more to their backstory? Like-
0: um, oh yeah, so Bailey is a performer for like most of their life. Um, they grew up very poor, and so performing has kind of been their outlet and also their moneymaker. Their parents, who are currently um, not in the picture, were just kind of there. Um, and so since they were free to do what they wanted, they decided performing was their favorite thing. And so they got into that. They originally started as a duo with their sibling. Um, their siblings also imprisoned, and the plan is to have them be found together, which would be fun to uh, see how that grows. But yeah, they just grew into a performer. And you know, also with the, the setting in which it takes place, they also had to be able to do under the table and underhanded things.
1: I'm just gonna like make a quick guess. Is there class like Bard Rogue?
0: Type? Uh so the classes in Cyberpunk Red are much are different, different. Okay. But uh it is the like it is definitely the bard of Cyberpunk Red. Mm-hmm. It's known as a rocker boy. Um it's a it's a funny little class. Uh <laughs> one of the abilities is that you can just pull an audience or a fan from somewhere and get a favor. Like, and like, depending on how well known you are and like the level of your character, you have more people.
1: So, when we are talking about classes, we are talking about what defines a character's skill set. A bard, which is the one that we were just talking about, for example, is typically a performer who can use magic. They tend to be charismatic, which Nathan described his character as, so I jumped the gun and assumed a bit on what it is.
0: It's a really cool progression, and I like how it's built. Um, And it's definitely different than just, you know, leveling up every now and then. Mm -hmm. It's you have to meticulously build it into the story.
1: So it's not just like, hey, I'm going to ask my DM if I can level up. You're
0: like, it's not like we successfully fought a dragon here, (laughs) so everybody at a level. It's the, uh, it's a, this performance got you a connection with this executive, so I'm going to. Uh, increase this uh, ability here so that you now have this written down and it can be like improved
1: so do you like more of a story based gameplay than a combat based one
0: yeah um I'm I've realized that as mu- as fun as the combat is um, it just becomes crunchy you know rolling the die adding the numbers seeing what you can use but when combat has story and puzzles and outlets that isn't just you know to the death. <laughs> um, I th- I find those a lot more fun. Um, I found myself building combat scenarios um, in my previous campaigns where there was a, like, your goal here isn't to necessarily uh, kill the guard, but to get the object that the guard is guarding. Now, you can do that in any way, shape, or form, but you don't necessarily have to fight that guard, which is much more powerful than you. Like, it's finding those outlets so that it's not necessarily fully combat, but it's a... This makes sense to the story, and there's ways to build on it.
1: So, who is DMing your campaign?
0: Um, my friend Ian is for the cyberpunk one. Yeah,
1: have they like done multiple DM?
0: Uh, this is actually their own? first full campaign that they're DMing. Um, there's a lot of experimentation to it, but uh, they learned they they played in my campaign, the twelve-person one, and quickly realized my mistakes. So, <laughs> I think learning from me, they've also run two one shots before and so learning from those they already have a really good start
1: yeah because i know that dming is like a whole nother like level than just playing
0: and i mean it's it's a whole other level but it's also kind of the same as playing Mm -hmm. because you're just basically taking everything rather than the one character
1: like having to figure out all the fun little where where things go and yeah
0: (laughs) balancing is the probably the hardest thing of yeah. dming
1: yeah because i know in my campaign like my, my dm this past week and he's like i'm sick i'm not playing <laughs> like we're yeah. not doing this and i'm like yeah it takes yeah, a lot out of you
0: it does it's and if you're like for for instance i was the one to just improv a lot of it mm-hmm. but i like realized that you need to have a plan to start somewhere and i was like building some of those plans. But it's more about finding the, not necessarily even or equitable like balance. It's just being able to know that your characters or your players will be able to find a way out. And if they end up completely losing their character, then it has to make sense. It has to be on their mistakes and not yours.
1: That's very fair. Has theater played a role in like you wanting to be a part of a campaign and you joining D&D?
0: Honestly, originally I was part of the group that was like, d and weird, this is not my thing. But it was also the people who played at my high school. It, they were toxic, it was a bad group. So it, 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 there was a strong disconnect. Um, so I don't think theater really made me want to play D&D. It was definitely the friends around me who were like, hey, you're doing this right here, right now. I don't care what experience you have, you're going. And I'm like, okay, fine. But it was more that they have this nice balance of a relationship. It's like being a DM is like being a director and like having to build the full world. Now, unlike theater, you're building this all on your own. Mm -hmm. Everything's uh, up to you, you have full freedom. But it still is a very integral relationship that they have together and it's um, very tightly knit because a lot of of D&D is acting and improv and role-playing that. Um, while theater might have a script for you, D and D has a character sheet, especially getting into education. I've been thinking about like lesson plans and just ideas. And one of the things I was like I, that could be used is the idea of a character sheet or character building in a play. And it's like, you know, maybe you don't have an idea for what you want your character to be. You can just roll a die and see the reaction and see how that feels. And like, you know, level one be no reaction. You're just like on the couch, just slouched back versus a level twenty being jumping up and down and excited or whatever that whatever fits there.
1: Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of people be able to like use dice for like different things than just D D. Like mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of like small businesses like on TikTok be like, let's roll for what you're gonna get and yeah, stuff. Like that.
0: It's it helps with that decision making, especially in theater where, you know, as much as you need to make decisions, you also have the freedom to explore on those decisions. And when you need to get out of a rut or get out of somewhere where you're stuck, it's kind of helpful to just have that randomness go on. But I think like as much as D&D is this whole hodgepodge of world-building theater is definitely more organized. Mm-hmm. It's more, I don't wanna say professional, but it's more like professionally built for the world we live in.
1: Would you say that it has played more like? It has played a role in like you wanting to like play more role play based rather than like combat based and like
0: <laughs> definitely you can tell based on what a person does what kind of D D they want to play. I've learned my two friends, uh, one of them's uh, in um, computer sciences, you know, doing crazy things that I couldn't even fathom to imagine, and another one uh, originally came in for biochem. They both were like combat heavy. They really enjoyed the crunching of numbers and getting the balances of you know, uh, rolling the highest you can and like maxing out as much as possible. And then my other friends who are like three D uh, art design and psychology and all these other things, they're the ones creating that story built, uh, story based um, campaign, and they're the ones that build the characters to have a fully fleshed backstory.
1: Somebody wanted to join a campaign later on with the GRSC. Or the GSRC, oh yes. my goodness. <laughs> I was like sitting there like, I know I'm saying it wrong, but it sounds close to being right. <laughs> yeah, because it all sounds the same. <laughs> yeah. every le- so if somebody wanted to join Queer D N D, like, what would they have to do?
0: Uh, just talk to us. The nice thing about the affinity groups and also kind of the uh, hard thing about it is it's really student-led. So you have to find the students, not necessarily the people who work at the GSRC, which, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to find us if we're not there. But I mean, that also uh, applies. You can just talk to Steven or somebody who works there and they should be able to find contact information. If that just means finding a bare mail or a phone number, it's really easy to get involved. But it's also a lot of communication because D&D as fun and as creative as it can be requires planning ahead and a lot of a lot of planning. So you really have to like, be willing to talk to the DM or the GM of, the, of that campaign to be able to write your character in because you're definitely going to make them write your character in. You're going to have to give them the availability for where it makes sense in that story.
1: If you were to do a podcast, why don't you do it on?
0: Oh, gosh, there's so many ideas. <laughs> um, something I have actually been thinking of is making my own system. Um, and kind of relating to D&D, but instead of leveling up, you know, like 1 through 20, you take one thing at a time, and you write it into your story. I've been listening to a podcast speaking of um, called Worlds Beyond Number, which, really good, and it's so well done, but they're taking a level zero campaign where they're creating the backstory of their character's um, childhood and just adding things as they go so like the GM will ask hey there's this period of time in which your character just has some downtime to go explore or do whatever what do you want your character to work on and it's like all right you're gonna gain a proficiency in acrobatics because you were running through the woods and jumping over logs and things so I want to create something where that's the full campaign though not just a session or a level zero beginning of building the backstory um kind of like in a video game progression where you start with a baseline skill like you let's say you want to get into sword fighting and then you expand by adding different different little levels of what kind of techniques you want to use. Um, It's much easier to do I found with magic. I it just sounds like a fun idea, and I'd love to also just turn that into a podcast because I feel like you could get a lot from that, and especially from a community to get have that back and forth.
1: Yeah, I think that's very interesting because I I know like when I play a lot of like what gets lost is like the character progression mm-hmm. and like the growing from just being like a little morsel of a being yeah. into
0: like you know because you what also get are. lost being forced to level up the way they want exactly. you to level up. I want to you know like let's say you want to be a fighter but you also want to know magic with your fighting. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now there's this branch that you could just add flames to your sword and you're not bound by the subclass that you chose. You actually have the freedom to choose that. Um, And then of course you could just go on a class and you know, maybe if like, if I decide to fully commit to something like this, you know, link some classes so that there's templates.
1: There are many other affinity groups that the GSRC hosts. Got it right that time. Queer D&D is one that has been influential to Nathan and helped them find a sense of community. Thank you for listening to him talk about his experience. I'm your host, Isabella Marcus Porter, giving you a taste of UNC.